Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 207. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy and co-founder of the Lend at Fintech conference. Today's show is sponsored by Lendit Fintech Europe 2019, Europe's leading event for innovation in financial services. It's coming up on the 26th and 27th of September in London at the Business Design Center. We've recently opened registration as well as speaker applications. You can find out more by going to lendit.com slash Europe. Today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome John Dansu. He is the CEO of Ideology. Now, Ideology are a fascinating company. They have been around longer than just about anybody else in the identity verification space. So I wanted to get John on the show and talk about what the world was like when they started. This is, this is like 15 years ago or thereabouts. And so we talk about that. We talk about how it's changed and how their product has evolved with it. John talks about their friction-free approach. In fact, we go into some depth on, on that. We talk about the, how they're using uh, machine learning. And they also have an annual digital identity study, which we discuss. And then we talk about the fraudsters and how they're getting better and how companies like Ideology are really trying to stay one step ahead. It was a fascinating interview. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, John. Uh, Thank you, Peter. So I'd like to get these things started by focusing on your background and maybe you could tell the listeners what you did you know, before you, you got to ideology, what sort of, what, what you did in your career. Sure. So I've, I've been an entrepreneur for a period of time. I, I started my career as an accountant and then also was an investment banker for roughly um, 10 years, which is a profession I really, really enjoyed. And, um, left banking to basically start help companies raise capital and, you know, build them substantially. And ideology is the longest one I've done. It's done four of them and I've been at ideology for roughly 14 years. So I would say I'm, I'm a, a classic entrepreneur. Okay. So tell us the sort of the story of ideology because you, you know, I, I you weren't one of the founders, I believe you came in as CEO in, in 2005. So, what was it that you saw back then that really convinced you that, that this company had potential? Sure. So um, when I uh, found Ideology, you know, was had a couple of employees and a, a V1 level product. And what really excited me about it was, remember, this was 14 years ago. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so things have changed since then. But it, it's a big market, right? At that point in time, consumer not present type transactions where you were conducting transactions where people didn't see you, whether that be on a phone or on the internet, were growing and growing rapidly. And I saw that there was a really substantial opportunity relative to uh, that market and the growth that it was going to have and the need for really a, a unique solution. And I also believed that it was a market that was going to continue to grow and have continual wind behind our backs. And that's still the case today. I mean, the, the market's still very vibrant and it's re- really growing. But the other point that we saw is that the, there were certain markets that were underserved. And that was mostly kind of underbanked, thin file type individuals that wanted to c- conduct business on a consumer not present environment. The vendors that were out there in the market at that point, point in time did it really 
not a very good job of supporting onboarding of those customers. So we felt that we could build a niche and, and that's what we did. And then, of course, we expanded the niche beyond that. Sure. So then maybe, I mean, it feels like in the, in the ID, yeah, ID verification space, you know, 15 years or 14 years is an eternity. Tell us about what the product was like and back when you first got involved and contrasting that with, with what you're offering today. Yeah, and that's a funny question because I can remember you know, years ago us working late nights and coming up with innovations that we just thought were the, you know, the next best thing. And now I look at those innovations and I kind of giggle about them because now they've just become requirements right. relative to, to the market. But the market has certainly grown dramatically, right, from a standpoint of the needs for the market. And what our, our philosophy and ideology is very much a product company um, that basically just happens to access data and help solve this identity identity issue. And our philosophy has always been to build, you know, break and then and then build build again. But the the one of the one of the things that we realized about a decade ago is that breach data really lent itself to what we call perfect identities, right? So fraudster would come in and basically steal identities or purchase identities on the dark web and then have the ability to come in and basically mimic you, right? They'd have your name, your address, your social, your year of birth, and be an imposter and basically utilize your identity. And you know, one of the real innovations that Ideology built uh, back then was to, to address that issue. And the, the way that we did it was we looked at, you know, not only do we have to con- consider that John's data is correct, but is that is John really the correct person submitting the information, mm-hmm. you know, in their computer or on their in their mobile phone, and that's what's really made Ideology a very successful company is being able to solve those two problems as opposed to you know just saying hey your data matches. Right, right. So I mean, when you launched though, that when you you know first got involved in this company, I mean, data breaches were pretty rare uh, from my understanding of it. I mean, obviously there was probably some, but now it feels like today everyone just assumes their identity is or that their their personal information is is out there and available with you know the we obviously had the the Equifax breach a while back and there's been many many other massive data breaches in recent years and it feels like that's that's becoming more and more rapid so i mean what how how should we think about you know identity verification then in in the age of these massive data breaches well, I think there were a lot of breaches back then, but they just weren't as public, right? Okay. They weren't publicized, and and certainly since the the regs have changed and so forth, and the obligations of people for disclosure on that, uh, it's becoming pretty much a daily occurrence, right? Mm-hmm. Relative to there was one just I think yesterday on Quest Laboratories. Mm-hmm. So um, the breaches the breaches have always been there. I just don't think they've been as announced relative to it. But again, from our standpoint. The fact that data has been breached is something that you have to take into consideration when you um, let someone buy something on the internet or whether you onboard it. And you, you need to take an approach that you're protecting that consumer, right? You, you want to make sure that when you validate a transaction or an identity that you're validating the correct person. And it's really a duty of us and a duty of other companies out there to help protect consumers. And you know, we just put out a consumer study and that was one of the things that the consumers said to us is that they really expect companies 
to go above and beyond in protecting their identities. So these breaches that basically, I think, created a requirement, uh, a bar that basically we make sure that we're doing proper identity verification on the people that we're conducting business with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll get into the study in, in a little bit, but let's just maybe switch to sort of talking about what is it you're offering today? What is sort of, what is the product suite and who is the, who's the target market? Tell us, tell us a, a bit about, you know, your offerings. Sure. So we, we sell the businesses. So we're a cloud-based solution that's um, B2B. We, we solve a very horizontal problem of validating that someone is who they say they are in a consumer not present environment. That lends itself to be heavy financial uh, today because that's where a significant part of those transactions are. But healthcare, life insurance, gaming for lotteries and, and uh, sports betting, there's there's a whole uh, listing of things that we basically do. And sometimes we're kind of quite surprised on use cases that come come to us where people have needs, for instance, a good one is um, organ donation. We wouldn't think that we would be doing that, but we are uh, validating people, basically giving permission to uh, donate their organs on their licenses. Hmm. But the product, the product today is a very comprehensive solution stack, which you asked the question before about, you know, uh, what was it like back 14, 15 years ago? And basically what we've done is we've built a solution over time where based on our client our customers and their needs and the market that we've tried to address the issues that they have. And the, the really the issue that we're addressing is validating an individual with nominal friction, with no friction and having confidence that they are who they say they are. And we do that through a product that we call expect ID um, that has multiple ways of basically looking at your identity. And we, we call it smart layers, right? When you think about, validating someone, the more kind of layers that you go through gaining confidence on that identity, that their data matches, that there aren't issues relative to the strength of their identity. It doesn't look like a breached identity. There's proper addresses. Um, Their email looks appropriate. Their phone hasn't had recent changes. And these are all kind of smart layers that we're looking at to, in essence, and we're correlating that data to make sure that we have confidence that that person that's presenting their data is the right person, is the, is the legitimate person. Mm-hmm. And how, how we really have helped, how Ideology has been successful in the market is we're helping our customers basically onboard legitimate users. And we, we happen to do that through identity verification. And the, the product is basically focused on trying to validate folks with no friction, and then it dynamically will evaluate attributes on an identity. And if it sees inconsistencies or you want a higher level of um, identity verification, then we have means of basically stepping up the verification through asking a series of multiple choice questions, what's called knowledge-based authentication, scanning your license, sending a secure link to your phone, et cetera. So, and it's all under control by our, by our clients, our customers. They basically can determine exactly how they want the process to go. Okay, so I wanted to just delve into that a little bit because you, you said a couple of times there, you know, a no friction solution. And I'm just curious about maybe you could take us through a use case where, you know, if it's, if it's a financial transaction, maybe it's an online lending platform or, a, or an online bank or someone and they're using your, your product. I'm just, I'm curious about how you're able to have confidence that the identity is, is correct without having any friction or, or maybe you could ex- expand on, on sort of, yeah, just expand on that. 
Yeah, well, that's part of the secret sauce, right, of how we how we do this. But in, in general, the way that I would view it is the more unique data points that you can check on an identity, the higher confidence you have in that identity and, and conducting business with them. Mm-hmm. And then it gets, it gets back to what I uh, mentioned about smart layers, right? Think, think about, you know, we can, we do a lot of compliance, right? That's a, a fundamental part of our solution, right? And making sure that financial institutions are uh, meeting their KYC compliance from a regulatory standpoint, but that's just one point. Um, and that's a very small sliver of it. But what we also want to make sure we do is, you know, check the depth of that identity and the quality of that identity. And and you do that by looking at differing notes, right, relative to the identity that gets created by algorithms that we have at looking at the information. And then by also looking at differing data points. When you think about someone committing fraud, um, they can steal your identity because of, of all this uh, breached data. But that fraudster needs to have a phone. They need to have an email. They need to come from an IP address. And you know, by looking at the, what we call device location and activity-based attributes, we can gain confidence that that person that's provided that information is really the, the, the correct person. Okay, so then your, your, your clients then, I mean, don't necessarily know, like the, 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 your clients' clients, I guess. So your business clients who are offering this to you know, consumers or whatever, that the consumer may never know that there is a really an identity verification going on. Um, because you know, obviously there are, there are some, there are some companies out there today that are, you know, making you get out your driver's license. I had to do, do one the other day. You get out your, you take a photograph of your driver's license, you take a selfie and, you know, you, you're clear that there's something serious going on there where they're really, where really, they're really checking you out. So what you're saying is you can have a high degree of confidence. And obviously I imagine it's up to your clients that, um, that, you know, you, you don't need to go through that process. Is that what you're saying? That's correct, and you know we're we're doing a day in and day out. And when you when you think about consumers, consumers don't really care that you have the company has fraud, right? They want to have a really because they're legitimate, right? They're not worried about the fact that you know ABC company may have a fraud that they have to deal with. I'm legitimate. I want to onboard, and I want to onboard quickly and easily. Mm-hmm. And now, clearly, if they go and read the terms of service, they would see that they're subject to. Um, identity verification, but the process of being able to validate people on a frictionless basis is really important relative to the velocity and the speed and uh, making sure that um, consumers don't uh, fall off in the process, which is a really, really big issue. Right, right. No, yeah, that, that for sure. And then what about when, like, you know, the world is is switching to mobile, and I imagine, I don't know what percent, but uh, there's certainly many, many uh, companies now have a majority of customers coming to them through mobile. Does that make it easier or harder for you to, you know, to really do this frictionless verification? Well, it's a different form factor, right? So mobile does a couple of things. One is, there's more transactions coming, right? Because now I can basically conduct commerce anywhere. And that's, that's, that's good for our customers and that's good for us. The second is I've got a different form factor that I'm doing this on. And it's a form factor that doesn't really promote lengthy information, right? So uh, when people are on their phones, they want things to be clean and crisp and be able to put in less information. Mm-hmm. And when they do that, 
that means you have less data to basically validate people with. So you have to look at differing data points relative to that as opposed to if you're on a uh, laptop and you, you could ask for more information and people are willing to kind of type it in. So there's you know less data, there's a different form factor, there's also the ability to uh, switch my phone quickly, right? That's why we want to look at mobiles and SIM swaps and port changes and things like that. So I, I would say that it's a different fraud problem than, than on your laptop, um, and it has different complexities. But the fraudsters are um, you know, committing fraud on phones, uh, laptops, and iPads and everything. So the, for them, they're going to try to use the form factor that gives them the, the highest probability of being successful. Mm-hmm. So, from from what you say, from what I hear you saying, you you really rely so much on it sounds like on data sources. So you're pulling in a variety of different data sources. Is that? I mean, I know you're probably not going to get into the secret sauce, but can you just give us some sense of the of the different data sources that you're pulling in that gives you this confidence? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of sources that we we pull in. Some of some of these are referred to as. Um, public records. They're not public per se, right? But they give you the ability to look at information relating to your driver's license or your voting records or credit header information, uh, utility bills and factors like that. So that's the type of information that you can um, access relative to comparing data that exists in the public records compared to the data that you've submitted. We're also looking at mobile data, um, email type uh, data, um, and then ideology has something that's really very unique, and that is we have the largest identity consortium in the U.S. And with that, uh, we have all of our customers are, in essence, contributing transaction data to a consortium. And that gives us the ability to enable our customers to basically to see repeated activity across the network, right? So when someone's committing fraud, they may commit fraud in the prepaid market and then go to the tax market and then and then move to the financial institution market. And by having velocity data, transaction activity that goes across all of our customers, we're actually able to see that fraud move from entity to entity. And um, this has been a very important part of the success of ideology. We treat data in a very confidential manner. You don't see data. I don't really want to go into the specifics of how velocity works, but we're very cognizant of privacy issues there. And uh, but it's, our our customers tell us it's the most powerful tool the tool they have relative to catching fraudulent transactions, and that's our that's our own consortium data. Right, and that's I know I think I've read something about that um, where the, the, like the, these you've got a, a range of different companies like a lot of some of the online lenders. So that consortium that's got to be billions of transactions that that, that you're you're getting access to, right? Or yeah, it's, it's it's a lot. Right, right. Okay, so then what about you know, we haven't talked yet about artificial intelligence or machine learning, and that's you know you, you're dealing with masses amounts of data, and clearly that that's a sort of yeah, you know, that's a situation where this this comes in very handy. Can you just talk a little bit about how you're using, you know, AI in in your systems? Sure. So, I mean, you would our velocity tool is somewhat you know machine learning based. You know, you ask people what machine learning means, and you get lots of different definitions. But I mean, we're definitely you know using transactions on a on an active basis to help make decisions, right? So, the machine is is in essence learning. Uh, we also do a fair amount of 
machine learning on our back end uh, relative to reviewing transactions, and that's an important part of what of what we do. So we're 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 doing a fair amount of AI after the transaction today, with the viewpoint of proving it out, and we've we've had a lot of success with that. And then over time, we'll be um, you know adding supplemental machine learning into the, into the product. So we think it's an important area, and we have lots of interesting data and lots of fraud that we can use to basically uh, train the engine. But, you know, I think what people sometimes forget about machine learning is you need to tell the machine what to do, right? It, it, it has to basically learn from factors that you see and, um, uh, you know, we're in the process of um, refining that today. And we're pretty excited about that in the next year or so. You'll see us move that into the product. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So then, I'm, I'm interested about um, you know banks today and you know the banks that have relied on the physical world to you know to sort of you know, verify customers and moving these banks are moving in more and more to the online world and so where 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 do you think um, banks still need to improve and particularly I'm talking mainly about those in the online world because that's where you operate but where where are the gaps? Where are the, the gaps today and where do they need to improve? Yeah, the banks have lots of gaps relative <laughs> to um, <laughs> doing truly online uh, business. So when, when you think about ideology, we've been digital since day one for close to 14 years. Right. And we've helped build you know these markets, the prepaid market, the P2P market, the fintech market. So we have a lot of expertise relative to doing digital transactions. When and when you talk with banking executives, I think the best quote I got from a very large bank was, digital to us is you apply on the web or your phone, we deny you, then you go into a branch and show your license. And when you look at the large banks, some of them are making progress and we're, we're helping many of those, but most of them have systems that are nowhere near what a, a fintech company or an online, uh, a bank that's been online from day one has. Mm-hmm. And um, and they really need to get there, right? When you think about uh, big banks, they've they've given up markets, right? The prepaid market they didn't participate in, the um, P2P market they didn't initially, right? And then they got in the, through Zelle and they're you know obviously getting good traction there now. But they they cannot they have to address the being truly digital. And uh, the, I think they'll get there. Uh, some are there and doing pretty well, but but most They'll have a long way to go, and um, they need to do kind of basic things of you know utilizing ideology, utilize and creating a whole stack of products that can basically help them being truly digital. Mm-hmm. Sure. So then, you know, there are there are obviously other players other than ideology on on in this space. I've actually had a couple of different players on on this podcast, um, but so I'm I'm curious about how you how you view yourself as differentiated from the other players in the space? Sure. So uh, we've been doing this for a long time. Uh, we've been highly successful. If you looked at our customer base, there'd be a whole bunch of names there that you um, know very, very well that are leaders in doing um, online type transactions. And that's really important relative to the consortium, right? We want to have strong players basically being part of that. And, you know, we have a solution that is highly configurable, um, dynamic relative to the process of being able to decide how you want to do things. 
And that's really important relative to also dealing with fosters, right? Because fosters are hourly deciding what their new attack vectors are going to be and how they can try to beat you. And if you have a system that's fixed and you can't uh, react to that, you're not going to be successful. And you know, one of our competitive advantages in the marketplace is that you know our system has more configurations than stars in the galaxy, right? Configuration options. And and when we see new attack vectors, we're actually able to go in and on demand change the rules and they automatically get deployed. So it's really very, very flexible. And then you combine that with our consortium power that we have and I think the leading product in the market um, and continued innovation. And that's pretty much how we separate ourselves. And as I said, our goal of why we exist is we want to help companies drive legitimate customer acquisition. And I think comparing us to competitors, you know, we, 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 we on the margin approve more people, approve more legitimate people. And that's really what, com- what companies want. They want to be able to deal, make sure their marketing dollars and their time and effort is being used effectively to drive their revenue. Right. Okay, so I want to I want to switch gears now to the to the annual study you do. You have this annual consumer digital identity study that uh, mm-hmm. came out uh, just a few weeks ago. Maybe you could just tell us what what are some, what are some of the new findings that came out of the study this year? Yeah, there were there was a couple that I thought were really interesting, and one is that people consider phone and email now to be significant parts of their identity, and um, you know historically. You ask people, what's the number one identity factor? And they would say, you know, my social security number or my license or my date of birth. But this past year, your mobile phone number and your email address also ranked uh, very high relative to what people consider that to be part of their identity. And I think that's, that it makes sense, right, from a standpoint of um, that they are, they are pretty key. We, none of us let our phone you know, get more than 10 feet um, away from us. The other factor that uh, I think is also interesting is that we talked a little bit about it is that consumers don't like friction and they, they want to make sure that their process is easy to apply and that it's also safe, right? They want to make sure that enterprises are in essence taking care of their identities and making sure that their identities are not being um, you know, misused. And I, and I think that's a reasonable expectation of consumers. They, they should, you know, have confidence that the people that are getting their identity information are using it safely. Mm-hmm. And then I think the, the, the other one that I'll mention briefly is that this is the first time where we've actually seen a higher level of transactions uh, being uh, completed on mobile devices as opposed to you know, fixed devices like laptops and so forth. And this is the year that it crossed. And, and, and clearly that's uh, important relative to how we build our product and um, how our Clients also build their product relative to ease of use and making it simple for people to basically conduct uh, commerce on their phones. Right, right, and it's and it's never going back, is it? Uh, I mean, there might be another form no. factor in a, in a couple of decades or or, or more, but uh, you know, it's not going back to laptops or desktops. That's for sure. Yeah. So we're almost out of time. There's a couple more things here. I, I saw earlier this year you were acquired by um, a company called GBG. Tell us a little bit, a little bit about that and and what changes that's uh, that's going to bring to ideology. They were real excited about that because um, we think it's an excellent strategic combination. When when you look at ideology, we're clearly a dominant player in identity in the United States and have established a really 
um, significant position and a, a leading product, right? We're not a data company, we're a solution company. When you look at GBG, uh, they had nominal presence in the US, but basically have secured uh, data sources in most of the world, right? And I think in over 120 countries. And when we go talk to our larger customers, they want one provider, they want one vendor to basically service their ID requirements and fraud requirements in the US, and in Europe, and in Asia, and in Latin America. And uh, that was really the driving force be, be, uh, behind putting our two companies together is that we have the ability, given our strengths and given their strengths, to build a worldwide identity provider. And it's, that's something we're really excited about. And um, the world's in need of it, and we, we, we want to provide it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I also want to ask about the fraudsters themselves, because obviously you, you know, you're getting better, the products are getting better, the technology is getting better, but so are the fraudsters. And how do you stay one step ahead of them? Or, and, and do you think you will be able to, you know, say one day be so far ahead that it will, that identity fraud will be a thing of the past? Well, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, you, you think about uh, how did people commit fraud in the 1800s, you know, with a gun and they're committing fraud now and they, they will figure out ways of how to commit fraud a hundred years from now. And, um, that was one of the reasons why I got involved in this business. The, the need for our solutions, I don't think, ever goes away. And so why why is that? Fosters are uh, conducting a fraud business, right? What they're really doing is they're making their day out, day in and day out. They're trying to determine how they can beat companies for money. So it's a, it's a business for them. So how do you counter that? One, you have to try. You have to uh, think like one, right? You have to think about fraud. We go on the dark web and we uh, read forums and we see what they're doing. Uh, we look at our own data on a everyday basis to see new attack vectors that are happening, and then we're adjusting our product relative to that. So, you know, it's a it's a old saying, but it's kind of a cat and mouse game, right, relative to this. And what you need to be able to do relative to the fraud is you need to be able to uh, react to it. And, and modify what you're doing. And then you also need to think ahead of building solutions that don't give them opportunities to um, commit fraud. And of course, that's, that's what makes our business uh, fun and challenging is that we're doing that while we're trying to provide a friction-free experience for the consumer because most people are legitimate. And you, that's how uh, companies want to run their business. They want to run their business taking care of the people that want to conduct commerce with them that are legitimate and then on the side, we have to figure out how to, uh, how to stop all this fraud. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, then. So, so last question. What are you working on now at Ideology that what's exciting? I mean, what, what's, what's next for you guys? Well, yeah, that's a great question. So we're constantly innovating. And I think clearly in the machine learning and artificial intelligence area, the items that we're working on today, I'm really excited about and how that'll make our solution um, you know, that much stronger relative to giving more definitive decisions to people on transactions, right? That this is truly fraud. This is, you know, for sure someone who is legitimate and so forth. So again, adding another layer, right? Uh, relative to AI, I think is um, r- really important for that. And then just what we talked about a few minutes ago, of the worldwide approach that we have now, given that we have access to data pretty much throughout the world, you know, solving the needs of our customers to be able to, use the same system to validate somebody in the U.S. and 
India and China um, and Mexico is, I think, just an exciting challenge for us, and we'll be spending a lot of time and effort on that. Okay, well, we'll have to leave it there. I, I very much appreciate you coming on the show today, John. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Okay, see ya. Anyway, as I said, we've we've had a a few of these identity verification companies on the show in in recent months, and I've done that because I I find this space personally fascinating, and I think it's it is one of those areas that uh, is so dynamic, and there's so much interesting work being done, work that is really making a huge difference into the success of fintech, and I think this is this is a piece that is so critical that we get right so critical that uh, you know that we have robust systems in place because without it i mean really the online the online well the fintech space would just disintegrate because we have to be able to identify good people in as frictionless way as possible and that's uh, that's that's why i feel like this is this is a space that i think obviously is is going to be around probably forever but certainly for a long long time Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening, and I'll catch you next time. Bye. Today's show was sponsored by Lendit Fintech Europe 2019, Europe's leading event for innovation in financial services. It's happening September 26th and 27th at the Business Design Centre in London. Registration is now open, as well as speaker applications. Find out more by going to lendit.com slash Europe.